Shalom and welcome to the Chosen People radio program. I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. If you've been listening, you know that Chosen People Ministries has been around since 1894. And I don't want you to think for one moment that I am the founder. I am not. Uh, But I've been president of Chosen People Ministries just about 25 years. And what a joy it is for me to serve with this ministry. And the design of the program is to speak about issues that swirl around Jewish evangelism and the Jewish people. We would contend that Jewish people are the bouncing ball of Scripture in that if you want to know what's going to happen or what's happening, you've got to follow the bouncing ball. So you've got to understand what God's plan for the Jewish people is from the Scriptures. And then you can understand more about what God's plan is for the present and also for the future. And that's a subject that we will be tackling today. We're going to be talking about the role of the Jewish people in God's plan and purposes. And joining me today is my good friend and colleague, Bobby Walter, who actually leads the work of Chosen People Ministries in Brooklyn, New York. He's also our regional director. So he not only has almost a million Jewish people to care about in Brooklyn, but he also has another million plus Jewish people to care about in the five boroughs of New York City. And uh, welcome, Bobby. So glad to have you with us. Yes, yes. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, Shalom to you and shalom to everyone who's listening. Uh, We're very happy to have you joining us for this program today. And as Mitch said, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, a topic that's near and dear to our hearts. Mitch, I think the best place for us to start when talking about this topic, the specific role that Israel has in God's overarching plan for all of creation. I think the best place for us to start is uh, with Abraham, right? Absolutely. He's the father. Right. He's the father of it all. Right. So when, we, uh, when we're introduced to Abraham, it's actually the end of Genesis 11. There's a, a genealogy that sort of sets the stage for us so that when we get to Genesis chapter 12, we know where Abram, at the time his name was Abram, where he comes from and his lineage and what part of the world he was from. Honestly, it's very important information because God chooses and selects Abram and calls him to leave everything behind. And and God begins to make a covenant with Abraham. And so in Genesis chapter 12, and a lot of you know the last part of that chapter, which was just so significant, where God said, I will bless those who bless thee, curse those who curse thee, and through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So not only does he promise Abram that he would become a people, even though he was childless, not only does God promise Abram that he will become a great nation, uh, that he would have a land, but God also gave Abram a mission for the chosen people, that it would be through the world that they would be blessed. And on the other hand, those who get in God's way and curse the Jewish people or make light of God's covenant with Israel, well, it won't go too well for them. So God, who never lies, promised Abraham that his descendants would possess the land forever and that 
the Jewish people would never be destroyed or subsumed into another people group. And we know that God will keep that promise. And so, Bobby, I understand that the promises that God made to Abraham should be taken literally. And so these promises are true. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, yeah, I would agree 100%. And I think, you know, one thing uh, that really stands out from what you were just sharing is God's heart behind this, God's heart behind making these promises to Abraham, and God's heart behind being faithful to those promises to Abraham. Uh, It's to see the world redeemed. It's for the benefit of Israel and the nations. That's why God created the Jewish people. That's why God called Abraham. That's why God gave the the promise to Shem even. Uh, It was all for the purpose of bringing about the blessing to all the families of the earth. Right, the redemption of the nations. And and of course, Paul follows up. Through the Jewish people, we have the Bible, Mm -hmm. uh, both Old and New Testament. And then through the Jewish people, we have the Messiah. But also, you have to keep your eye on the Jewish people because there are some great promises ahead that signal the second coming of Christ and also authenticate the word of God, making us absolutely sure that his promises are true. Uh, For example, the prophecies regarding the reestablishment of Israel are Mm -hmm. part of a group of prophecies concerning the second coming of the Messiah. Because the prophecies concerning Messiah's first coming were fulfilled literally, right? Mm -hmm. Consistent interpretation would then dictate that the prophecies concerning his second coming and the reestablishment of Israel should be interpreted literally as well. So, Bobby, let's talk a little bit about Israel and the prophetic scriptures that elaborate on these promises concerning the land, because we see some of that coming to pass today, don't we? We do. You know, I know that uh, you and I would strongly agree on this, but there are a number of passages in the prophets in particular that talk about this physical regathering of the Jewish people into the land, the actual land that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, you know, so many thousands of years ago. So one example, I'll just read it here in Ezekiel 36, verses 24 through 28. It says, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Now, as we keep reading, there there comes like another side of the promise here, because it's not only a physical regathering, but there's also a spiritual rebirth that God promises for the nation of Israel. So we keep reading in Ezekiel. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. So, Bobby, when we see the Jewish people coming back to the land, which we do see, began in 1948, when we see that, then we know that the other promises of God, which we should also take literally, are on their way. They're on the Mm -hmm. horizon. And so uh, this prophecy in Ezekiel, I think we see in part coming true because the Jewish people have come back to the land primarily in unbelief. And so when we see this, we understand that modern-day Israel is not really the work of man. 
but it's the work of God. And we are waiting for the whole enchilada. We're waiting, right. we're waiting for the rest to happen. And as we right. see this literally fulfilled, we know the rest will be literally fulfilled, which reminds us of other promises right. uh, by Isaiah as well. Yeah, and I think we're getting a taste of it in Israel right now because, I mean, some of our listeners may not be aware, but there are quite a few Jewish believers in Jesus who live in Israel. And I, I just can't help but think about the last time that I was in Israel. Mitch, actually, I was with you. You and I went yep. together. And one evening, all of our staff hosted a worship concert, and the room was just filled with probably 60 to 70 young, well-educated, professional uh, Jewish Israelis worshiping God in Hebrew, worshiping Jesus in Hebrew. And I just remember standing there in awe and getting goosebumps because it was such a beautiful sight to see these precious people who had come from all over the world to Israel. But what was uniting them in that moment was not just their, their Israeli identity and their Jewishness, but their faith in Israel's Messiah, Jesus. So we, we see a lot of these promises coming to pass. And dear brother and sister, when you read the Bible, read it literally. Don't make a metaphor out of something that's just clear. And you may not understand all the depths of a prophecy or how it's being fulfilled, but a lot of it is just pretty much common sense. You can look on your websites or your news feeds or turn on the television, and you can see that there are Jewish people living in Israel. And the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that God made with Abram that involved the land and involved his being a people and involved the blessings that will come through the Jewish people, that was an unconditional promise. Mm. There are no conditions to it, no time parameters. This is forever in effect. It, it's not uh, dependent upon Abram's obedience or my obedience as a Jewish person. The promise of God is dependent upon God's power and ability to make the promise come true. And against all odds, the Jewish people were brought back to the land of Israel in unbelief. And so I would say modern Israel is definitely the fulfillment of prophecy because God did what he said he would do. He would bring the Jewish people back to the land in unbelief because he's made an unconditional promise. Nothing can keep God from fulfilling an unconditional promise. And that's a blessing for all of us who know Jesus is our Savior. We know that God's going to fulfill his promises to us because he fulfills his promises to Israel. And so the prophetic scriptures, I would say properly interpreted, indicate that modern-day Israel, though not perfect, but it is the fulfillment of prophecy. And if it is the fulfillment of prophecy, then what's next? <laughs> you know, what's next? I mean, that's, that's the exciting thought. What's next is everything else God promised, literally. One of the greatest challenges the Jewish people have faced over the centuries is how to preserve our heritage while looking forward to the future. And that sums up the goal of Chosen People Ministries. We believe with all our hearts that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, that Jesus is the promised Messiah of Israel, and that the simple message of His death and resurrection has the power to transform the lives of Jewish people and Gentiles all over the world. And we'd love for you to partner with us. With your prayers and financial donations, we will keep proclaiming the gospel until we see him face to face. Learn more online at chosenpeople.com radio. 
Once again, that's chosenpeople.com slash radio or call 888-293-7482. We look forward to connecting with you soon. Welcome back. Right now, we're actually going to hear from a man who is trying to steer his friends away from the path of enlightenment, and he ended up finding the Messiah through the prophecies of Daniel and Ezekiel. Jacques Gabazon is a businessman who now leads a Messianic congregation in Montreal. He works with Ariel Ministries, a fine ministry. He's the son of a rabbi married to Sharon. He is one of our Messianic Jewish friends who found Yeshua, Jesus, through his own personal study of the Hebrew Scriptures. I grew up in Morocco. I come from a religious family. My grandfather was a rabbi, so was his father and grandfather. He was less and less comfortable for Jews to live in Muslim countries. Going to school and coming out, and there were some young Muslims waiting for us with sticks, and we had to fight our way home. I remember uh, my father used to say, uh, if you forget you're a Jew, they will remind you. I was 13 years old when we moved to Montreal. And it was when I was in college that my friends had a special interest in Eastern religion, I remember, and also in prophecies. And I remember one of my friends was going into Nostradamus prophecies. And I said, don't do that. Why would you go to Eastern religion? We have Daniel, Ezekiel. Why should we go to see other prophets? And they said, okay, fine. So what did they say? And I said, well, I don't know. I'll find out. For the sake of my friends, I went to in- inquire. I went to see my father and I said, do you know about the prophets? Did they see anything about our times? My father said, no, I don't know. I said, did your father leave anything? Did he ever tell you something? Did he leave any books? And my father said, yes. And so he brought me uh, three beautiful books. Uh, great, but they were cedars, you know, nothing there. About a week later, there were people who came to the college and they set up a book table. I picked up the first book. And I turned it around and it said what the Hebrew prophets say about the end time prophecies. I looked at the table and it was a Christian table. They were evangelists and I saw the name of Christ. I saw crosses. If I'd seen this before, maybe I wouldn't have gone there. How can they know about my own book better than me, better than my father? So I took the book. I would see from the corner of my eyes the name of Jesus. I will skip over it. I associated the name of Jesus to anti-Semitism. And I was dumbfounded about the preciseness and the importance of prophecies in the scriptures. We have the prophecy of Moses in the Torah. We have the prophecies of David in the Ketubim. This is when the writer spoke about uh, the Messiah. He mentioned Isaiah 53. Ah, that did it. How uh, I was so touched by, by, by the clearness of the words in there. I couldn't believe it. It is so concise, so descriptive, the hero dies. And not only that, the hero was led as a lamb to the slaughter and he didn't open his mouth. That was him. One who comes perfect with no sins to come and die for us. And this is what Isaiah 53 says. I recognize them. This is when I accepted the Lord Yeshua as my personal savior. I saw him there. I met my God. I've never felt as Jewish as I did then. My brother uh, brought me to see one of the chief rabbi in Montreal. And uh, right away he says to me, you know, the Messiah doesn't die. I said to him, but, uh, you know, I just read in the Talmud that, you know, the Messiah dies in Sanhedrin 98b. He went and he opened up his, his book and he saw it and he went around the table 
once and he came back and he said to me, he says, uh, this is one opinion, but we go, as, as Sephardims, we go with what Maimonides, the Rambam says. And the Rambam says very clearly that Jesus is not the Messiah and, and that the Messiah doesn't die. So I said to him, I said, do you consider the Rambam a prophet? And he says, yes, from Moses to Moses, Moses Maimonides and Moses from the scriptures. And I said, but you know, uh, Maimonides gave a prophecy that didn't come about. Are we going to bet our own eternal future on a false prophet? It didn't go well. He got very angry, of course. He banged on the table uh, and he said, you're lying. He says, he never said that. I found a book in French where Maimonides writes to Rabbi Al-Fuhami in Yemen and where he gives that, that prophecy and I brought it to him. And he said to me, he says, there are mysteries that I don't understand. And he gave me back the book. I knew I was into something really deep, really great. You know, in rabbinical Judaism, uh, the idea of Messiah is so broad, you know, depending who you ask, you'll get a different answer. You, we know, uh, you know, that when you take two Jews, you get three opinions. When you get to the Messiah, you get maybe 10 opinions. The reason why they came up with two Messiahs, Messiah ben David and Messiah ben Yosef, is because they couldn't put the two comings of the Messiah together. They do not go by what the scripture says. When you go to the Torah, when you go to the Tanakh, the idea, the concept of the Messiah is clear. You know, Yeshua said it in, in Yohanan 5.46. He says, if they knew Moses, they would know me. If you stay within the scriptures, and if you stay within the Torah, within the Nevi'im, the Ketubim, you will find Yeshua. He is right there. He's waiting for you in the scriptures. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So, Mitch, I think we've really had a good conversation so far today talking about God's faithfulness to Israel throughout the ages, beginning with Abraham and, and even in Abraham's own lineage. But I have a question for you. What, what would you say to someone, perhaps one of our listeners, who might be wondering if God is done with the Jewish people, if his plan for Israel is no longer intact? You know, people have asked me, wondering, what is God's plan for the Jewish people now that Jesus has come and Jews and Gentiles are part of the ecclesia, called out ones, the church. And the truth is that Jewish people individually have as much of a role in the current work of God as Gentiles. We are one. There are both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah. Even though Paul says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, man nor woman, slave or free, you never saw a, uh, a male slave have a baby. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, it, it's not that Paul is saying that these distinctions do not exist anymore. He's simply saying that these distinctions break down when we are all called to follow Jesus, that there's an equality. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, mm -hmm. and I absolutely believe that. I, I believe it wholeheartedly. You, you can't have the church without having Jewish people, which is why Chosen People Ministries is so busy reaching Jewish people, <laughs> you know, and, and Jewish people get included into this wonderful family of God, which we oftentimes call the church. But it all continues and so the Jewish people are in the land, but the land is not totally the way God wanted it to be. And you should go to Israel and you'll know. You don't exactly have peace in the land when Hamas is firing bullets, you know, from Gaza into central Israel. 
And so we have the land, but it's only in part. But the day is coming when the Jewish people will turn to Jesus as a nation. Zechariah 12.10, they will look unto me whom they have pierced. Matthew chapter 23, verse 39, and they will cry out, Baruch haba Shemanonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Apostle Paul in Romans 11.25 and following talks about all Israel being saved. Well, that's all Israel that is left will be saved. And it's when Israel turns to the Lord that Jesus returns, establishes his kingdom, and all of these wonderful land promises attached to the kingdom of God are fulfilled. Now, it's not just fulfilled for the Jewish people, because remember, the Jewish people were to be a blessing to all the world. And so all those who know the Lord will be invited into the kingdom. And I don't know about you, Bobby, but if you get there and you don't find a place, you're welcome under my fig tree. We'll have a picnic, you know? And <laughs> so it's it's not that Israel's promises will be completed and fulfilled and uh, the church will be left out. Rather, the church, individual Gentile Christians, Paul wrote about in Romans 11, have been grafted in to the rich root of the olive tree. And in one way or another, we'll get it all figured out when he comes, but in one way or another— Gentiles receive some of these promises as well. And so we look forward to a great and glorious day in the future when the Lord returns. But until then, we need to be out proclaiming the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Gentile so that individual Jewish people are added to the church and Gentiles are added to the olive tree and uh, and find that sweet unity in Jesus the Messiah. And that's really what Chosen People is all about. And that's why you've got Bobby, who's not Jewish, and Mitch, who is Jewish, talking over these matters with you today, brothers and sisters, to show you that there really is tremendous unity between Jews and Gentiles in the Messiah Jesus. And we look forward to an even greater unity when he returns. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Well, coming up next month, Jewish people all around the world will begin preparing for Passover. And if you would like to learn more about this biblical feast and how you can celebrate and share the good news this year, then let me invite you to request a free copy of our book, The Gospel in the Passover. Well, Bobby, we worked hard on that book, didn't we? (laughs) We sure did. We did. And a whole bunch of our staff wrote chapters. It's got recipes and menus for a Passover Seder, has the entirety of a Passover Haggadah, the liturgy for the Passover, as fulfilled in Jesus, which you can use with your family in your home. So this is a great offer. So followers of Jesus around the globe observe the Lord's Supper, which we call communion, And that's exactly why we created this book. Maybe you're one of the people that know something about the links between the Passover and the Lord's Supper, but wouldn't you want to just experience it in your own home and share that with your kids and with your family? So let us share all this with you. As Bobby said, we'll send you the Gospel and the Passover book for free when you call us at 888-2-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A. Or you can call and request a copy online by going to the Chosen People website at chosenpeople.com slash offer. You can also connect with us through the mail when you write to Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. But now, let's wrap up today's message with the ironic benediction. <laughs> 
Here's Mitch with fellow Old Testament scholar and Jewish friend, Michael Rydelnik. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panavalecha V'yaseim lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem shall Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.